So we are so excited today to have on a special guest, uh, Miss Candace Johnson, hailing from the Philadelphia area. One of those places that has some of the best food that people just, they sleep on it, right, Candace, if they don't know. Um, but she is here to talk about her company, uh, Gushy Candy. Okay, stay with us, guys. I know it's different. It's different. And she is the founder of this company, and she's developed a game to help couples get better on understanding the intimacy that creates that connection between each other in a relationship, and it's called Touchy Philly. Philly, welcome to the show, Candace. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I have to say, this is my first um, first time publicly talking about the the card game. So I hope I do a good job. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will kill it. And I and I think this is a great topic because. You know, there's a lot of people out there talking about sex and intimacy in different ways. And I always joke, like, I think Steve Harvey talked about this, like the way people talked about being in a relationship and loving on one another. It used to be kind of, you know, you finessed it and it was a whole process to it. And the guy talked about it and, you know, what was going to happen. And he romanticized it, right, and singing it. And the women did too. And then we moved to kind of the new <laughs> new Jack Swing generation and the Keith Sweat begging generation. Remember Keith Sweat begging for like so much, right? Yeah, it, but it worked for him. It worked for many men, I'm sure. Um, but that's a whole nother show. A whole bunch of people. <laughs> right, Kate said it worked for a whole bunch of people. And now we're kind of in a more... And then we went through like the 90s, you know, uh, rock bands as well. So I want to give some respect to the NSYNC fans and people like that. Um, but then we move into like a different era of rap, right? Rap was um, more socially conscious at first. And then it became a little more sexually explicit, right? So I That's think why I used to love her. <laughs> that is, that's a common song. <laughs> the shout out. <laughs> right? We're ridiculous with this. We can go all day with this because we both love music and different genres of music. So now I feel like it's interesting. And the way I, the reason I kind of talked about music is because it feels like music sometimes gives us cues, right? To how we kind of demonstrate, show up for our partners. Like we, you know, we all have our favorite songs, our songs that set the mood. But more importantly, now we have a lot of sex experts out here, right? Sex therapists. And some of the information some of them are given is great, right? But then sometimes people aren't given the whole picture. So I I'm really cannot wait to learn more about your cards and how you're kind of taking it back a step, getting people talking about the uncomfortable, you know, elephant in the room sometimes, about what they like, what they don't like. So tell us a little bit, like, why did you decide to do this? Okay, well, <laughs> uh, if I can give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, I have always been an incredibly sexualized person, very sexual, very sensual, very loving, and very empathetic to people. And I always feel like things can be cured with, at least at the start, understanding someone else, accepting them, and then offering a hug. I really think that like those three things are the making ups of all the hurts in the world. And with that being said, you know, as a young girl, the first thing you're taught is to make sure you don't get a certain amount of attention. Um, and somehow in that lesson, it's always victim shamed, you know, based that information. And, and, and the underskin of that is always, and if that attention is there, um, it's your fault. And if you like it, you're bad. And I just could never subscribe to that. I've always been very close to my dad and I only have brothers. They let me love on them and there was nothing wrong with that. 
And so loving on anybody else, I had close guy cousins. I loved on them. I didn't know what, you know, there was something wrong with that. But there was something about moving that sensuality towards sexuality. That is where the shame. And I just could never subscribe to that the way I was supposed to, the way I feel it's indoctrined in. With that being said, I started my sexual journey in my mid-teens, like 15, 16 years old. I went to an art school, which means everybody was free with their bodies. And so by the time my parents were having the conversations and what we call like the warnings and the dangers and the shame and all that, I was already very active. And a lot of what they were preaching didn't add up to what I was experiencing. But I did know this. I knew, especially being a girl, um, you know, a 16-year-old in the year 2000, the word slut and the word whore were real branders. You know, it was like a witch hunt. And so I knew that whatever I ever did, it should be in the confinements of people who love me deeply. I didn't care if I was a girlfriend. Everyone was always so attached to labels. I just wanted to make sure I was with men or women who made me feel comfortable, safe, and in some cases had more to lose than me, so I know they'd never say anything. The evolution of then separated from being a sexual person and a sexual person, moving into the news space, being in media, I worked with Fox News Corporation for probably a collective of a little over a decade, um, with them launching three shows and working in three states. I've been able to talk to a lot of people. I've interviewed everyone from Sabrina Bolton, who is Trayvon Martin's mother, to I've been able to have words with Tyler Perry. I've been able to communicate with a man who a few minutes later killed himself on TV. Mm. So I have been able to really have the privilege of speaking to a gamut of people. And I have this ideology inside me that I feel like I know what we all have in common. And I feel like there are a couple of barriers that as a producer and specifically as a news producer, I've been able to see, yo, if we can get past these barriers, we can get a lot of healing and work done. So let me create a company that's going to start to do that work, which is why I quit my job. And what's the best way to get people to talk about their feelings, to let them know that there is something that's going to be feeling good attached to that? Feeling good is very close to the word play. Adult, by definition, means in some way traumatized. <laughs> um, so I wanted to brand the company as adult play. I wanted to be not just talking dildos and vibrators, though there's nothing wrong with that, love those products. But I wanted it to be about the pleasure is based in what God's pleasure is, which is the knowledge of ourself and our community and our partners and our family. And where we have those hiccups, we can talk. And it can feel good. And this, and honestly, so uh, this is the, the, you know, the rabbit out of my hat, which is we'll mask it as, you know, here's a little bit of sex, here's a little bit of intimacy, you know, here's a little bit of emotion, but really what this is is sensuality. And, and, what, and it goes back to exactly what you said, Steve Harvey. I love Kings of Comedy. I love when Steve comes out in that awful suit. The man looks horrible, but when he speaks those words about loving a woman, you, you're like, that is the man I want. Mm. You know? So, long-winded, but that is all of it. That is that is everything about the game and how it came to be. Now, you mentioned exploring your sexuality at an early age. You're going to have to clarify on that because I know there are different meanings of how one explores their sexuality or sensuality. Um, so, you know, kind of expound on that. Sure. Um, well, you know, I don't, okay, 
I'm a very open book. Um, I remember, you know, playing doctor or playing house, um, you know, really young with cousins. And I remember sort of, I guess one of my earliest memories is my aunt saying, you know, you guys can play, but I don't want to see you playing. And the words are muffled because, of course, the mind of a young person, you can't really identify what the message is. But I knew the overall point was, you guys can play, but don't do anything bad, was the, was the thing I got there. And so by the time, I guess, I was nine years old, and I got my first crush, which was on Jamal from uh, Ghost Rider, because <laughs> I was a nerd too, I am still a nerd. And uh, I remember just like, you know, having feelings. And I remember having a conversation with my mom once when I was 12, and I said, mom, I think I'm ready for sex. I had no idea what sex was. I don't even know where sex would have even come into my mind. Because how, I, how old were you then? How 12. old were you? Po okay, 12. 12. Okay. I think around, yeah, 12. Hmm. And, and and just to give you more of a background, my dad is heavy duty um, Baptist pastor. And my mom is Jehovah's Witness. My family, the Barber family, is the largest Jehovah's Witness family in Pennsylvania. Or at least in Philadelphia. Could be Pennsylvania. And so I was raised conservatively. But what was inside of me was always inside of me. But I went to my mom when I was 12 and I said to her, I think, I, I wanna, I think I'm ready for sex, is how I remember saying it to her. And uh, I remember saying, okay, do you need to do it now? And I said, I don't think so. And she goes, do you think you can wait until you're 16? And I said, yeah, I think so. And she goes, okay. And that was the conversation. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when I was 15, 16, again, I went to an art school. I was heavy into dance. Dance requires you to be very comfortable with your body, very confident. You're changing in public spaces. You're changing with everyone. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a very intimate community. Um, so it allows for you to explore your body in ways that aren't hypersexual. So if you're examining another dancer's body in comparison to your own. Um, so now with developing bodies, well, we're all developing at the same time. So now you're noticing if someone else's breasts are getting bigger or if yours are or aren't or, you know, those types of things. And because you're not necessarily doing it in a way that seems sexual, you're able to get closer to it. If, if that makes any sense. I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm making sense. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay awesome. So I, I don't really know where the line, where the intersection comes between curiosity into sensuality into sexuality. I guess the difference would be like, and maybe in my mind, I'm looking at it out of curiosity, and then it becomes like, a, oh, well, now I'm having a physical response to this that feels good, and now we're into a touch situation. And then yeah, at some point it becomes overtly sexual, which is just straight up intercourse. But I mean, a lot of touching, a lot of petting, kissing, rubbing. I mean, there was just so much to explore before I got to intercourse that that did seem, it's almost like if someone's like, well, I won't do any drug because I don't want to be on crack. So you don't want to have a cocktail? <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't want to have one hit of weed? You don't, that's, I mean, no one's asking you to, to do crystal meth, you know? It's like, so again, people, we, you know, it has been in my experience that everyone is talking about, don't have sex, don't have sex. But sex is such a broad umbrella. And I think there's a way to allow, especially young women, to be able to tap into their sensuality, feel good, receive good feelings and also be warned when there's a bad feeling in the room and everyone already knows every woman knows when there's a bad feeling in the room 
Um, but how do we accept the good feelings? Why can't we have that as women? It sounds like your mother was ready for that conversation. <laughs> she was ready for that one, but she was not ready to read my diary when, when I was 16 years old. <laughs> Which is a whole nother <laughs> show, I bet. <laughs> it's That's... very different once, uh, yeah, she was blindsided. Right, okay. So. So it yeah. sounds like you went through kind of this personal journey, which is why you feel kind of this yearning to explain or educate, you know, other people about this and some of the things that kind of aren't said, right, perceived or talked about that are taboo per se to kind of create a safe environment. Can you talk um, about some of the couples who have uh, utilized your game and what their experiences, you know, have been, you know, some surprise findings? Because I think when we talked offline, you said there were some couples who have been married many years, right? Um, and they came back, some of the women or men in the relationship came back and thanked you uh, for the yes. cards. So what, what do you think that was about? What do you think shifted for that couple that's been together 20, 30 years um, and all of a sudden they're you know, playing your, your uh, touchy-filly game, right? And they're exploring and having more communication around sex and intimacy. Well, I mean, so I'll, I'll give you, you know, something titillating first for the viewers so that they can understand a portion of our conversation. Um, we had a couple who have been married for many, many decades. I want to say it was their 30th uh, anniversary. Um, shout out to Andrea. And she she reached back out to me, and she does not mind me saying this because she actually, uh, I have a recording of her on camera saying it that she had been um, suffering from dryness as a result of menopause. And that playing the games, they got three cards into the game and she was able to feel such an overwhelming sense of the love she realized her husband had for her that she was able to get wet on her own and they were able to have intercourse without lubrication. Mm. And it was, she, I mean, she, she thanked me. <laughs> she said that she would be a testimony for anything, I mean, she has been amazing, and as a result of her, I've giving out, I've given out tons of cards, and and um, also just to be clear, and, and I'll give you some some more testimonies, but um, just so the viewers know, the touchy feely game has four levels to it. Level one is for I say first daters. You don't really know each other that well, um, and and in that way, in level one, the questions are emotionally loose very free um and the erogenous zone that is attached to it the feel part of it or the touch part of it is um um erogenous zones that are deemed more public right so like the hand the feet the cheek the forehead um and any of those body parts of course you can eliminate once you get to level four you're in more sexualized erogenous zones you're talking about the inner thigh um the butt the breasts um and the belly so you know um, but also the more emotionally intimate the questions are. You know? I mean, as you're talking about this, Elizabeth is touching me right now. How dare you? I mean, you're talking about these cards and certain zones, level one, level four, level 100. And she just started touching my, touching my shoulder and this, oh, my goodness. Okay. Sorry about that, Miss Johnson. And you know, and, and I've been saying it, and I want to make this so clear. Earlier, Elizabeth, you were so, I mean, you, you've been so lovely at introducing me, but I don't want to come off as an educator so much as a person who's like, yo, did you just think about it this way? I really think that having the, you know, they see something about those, you know, you're putting your 10,000 hours 
Well, I've done millions of hours of talking to people. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm not going to school for it, but I think I know if, if, you, if someone shares with me a problem, if I have been able to experience the issue on an emotional level, I feel like there's verbiage there to help get the energy changed to what it's supposed to be. And I love that you're sharing that she's touching you because that's really all it's supposed to be. No, she's frolicking me. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the cards yet. Wow, my goodness, you're frolicking me. Now I'm all balled up in the corner. Just, I, had, just, I had another guy, I had one of my very, very important guy friends, and I wish I could say who he is, um, but I don't think that he would like his business associated with me sharing this little tidbit, but he's a very high-powered CEO, and he looked at the, the website, and he saw the colors, and I'm, I'm sure maybe you saw the deck, mm -hmm. and he goes, it feels like I'm inside of a warm vagina. I love it. Do you need money? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he's wow. not that guy to talk like that <laughs> right <laughs> and you're saying this he looked at he, okay the pitch you, you're gonna have to give the premise <laughs> of this card because you really got me a little concerned <laughs> you, you said he looked at the card and felt like he was inside of a warm vagina he, he looked at the colors now, he didn't the see colors. the cards he looked at the colors if you look at our logo mm -hmm. Um, Elizabeth, if you look at the first page of the deck, right. it's all pink, like this very pale... And it has um, hearts, but it almost does, like, it took me a minute for it to trigger that it was hearts, because it does feel very feminine. It's a lot of feminine energy flowing from the images. So I, I can know, see I that. I know, I do my best with the masculine, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a feminine girl. <laughs> <laughs> Women may start to get mad at you because of <laughs> men begin to look at these cars, the, the color schemes to these cars, and feel like they're already in a warm vagina. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> will, will, will there be a need for a real vagina? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. I was going to say, there's always yeah, a need. Yeah, that, that was a jokingly uh, introduced question. I, I, you know, I liked, a, I liked a lot of what you said about just like the communication, the sensuality, the feeling. I think a lot of the actual act of sex is is happening before you're actually having the actual sex and what i mean by that is i think a lot of the build-up a lot of the excitement is definitely understanding what your partner responds to but it's the things that happen beforehand and i think that's kind of gotten lost you know because yeah. there's a lot of signals through how people watch movies and entertainment and how sex is presented in a very like oh what's the word i'm looking for i don't want to say aggressive but it's like you don't feel those parts of it, the, the sensuality, the emotional part, the connective parts. And I, I don't know, personally. Well, let's just put it within this context. Uh, you know, yes, intimacy, intimacy does build up to, I, I do believe as well, you know, a, a nice sexual experience. But this particular generation, I know Elizabeth touched on it earlier, you know, we went through the different facets of, you know, the, the, the Keith Sweats, you know, um, uh, the, these other R&B groups and just that genre. Now, I, I work with a lot of adolescents. I don't see a level of, and not just adolescents, but even young adults. I don't see, Miss Johnson, that level of intimacy. It's almost like, let's just get to breaking back purposes. Let's just get to, you know, how you can, can wear me out. Now, now, mind you, I'm not around everybody but just based on what i've observed it's almost like that intimacy component it's another name for it now it's not the intimacy that i believe most people were once upon a time used to that would build to that high level of sensuality or sexuality what what do you, what do you think about that well here's what i would say to that i'm a 30 and i'm about to give you the real real 
I'm a 38-year-old woman. I've had my longest relationship uh, was nine and a half years, straight through, no stop. So I, I consider that to be my marriage. Um, it was my 20s. And uh, my shortest relationship, probably, I don't know, six months. I like to do a little fling every once in a while. In between that, I have been with in some level of intimacy, maybe somewhere around, I don't know, I would venture to guess without really ever knowing, for sure over 100 pe people. Oh, wow. And wow. my experience has always been the same that regardless of what anybody, no matter, no matter what the experience of my lover has ever been prior, I am a loving person. I am a sensual person. I am an emotional person. So if you want a love affair with me, I don't care how hard you are or what you do on your social media or how you brand yourself when you're outside of my bed, um, you know, as long as there's respect, but in, in all intimate spaces, and I mean this for my lovers, my mother, my brother, my everybody, everybody who would, I require um, energy. And so, yeah, I've been with a lot of men who have told me before, you know, I've never been with a woman who's done X, Y, Z. I've taught a lot of men how to have great sex. I mean, and, and that's not something I do like I'm trying to pat myself on the back. I just, yes, I do often experience that men come into intimacy experiences with me and they're ill-equipped because there's this thing about sex where it's all or nothing. I had a guy who I was very interested in, this is a year ago. Um, his name begins with letter C. I'll need something to refer to, so I'll call him C. <laughs> and he had just gotten out of a very long relationship. I think his, I think that was about a decade. Produced a child, was two years old. I could tell on our first date he was still hurt. But I thought it was toward the end of the hurt since they were about a year out from being broken up. And um, they had figured out custody and all that kind of stuff. And I did a slew of divorced men. So I already had that one down packed. Because they, they all walked through the same path. Is that by choice? Uh, uh -huh. Is that by choice? You said I've dated a slew of divorced men, or does this just happen? Uh, what just happens, right? Like no okay. one has divorce tattooed on their head. I, I, it's a good-looking guy who's single and has a six-pack. Likely he's divorcing, you know, because he got his body together because he's single again. And he wants, you know, like yeah. The story <laughs> seems to be, I don't know, you know, just that, just my experience, not the world's. Um, but I don't have a problem dating again as long as you're healed. I don't really. Your backstory is important to the journey, but as long as you're not carrying all that weight on your shoulders, I'm good. Um, but uh, it was about a year after his breakup, and he was telling me what he'd never do again in relationships, which is how I knew he was still hurt. I'd never do this. I'd never do this. I'd ne okay, great. Um, but he was still cool. We were having a good time. I said to him, I, because I knew I was unsure about him, I said, well, just so I'm not dragging you on, I know I'm not interested in having intercourse with you, but if you want, like, if, if we can be good just being sensual with each other and touching and playing, like, I'm down for all of that. Because this man was very good looking. But I could tell that there was just some damage there. And I'm not going to be all in on damage. But I'm here to, like, facilitate or help or whatever. If it feels good, it feels good. And uh, you would have thought, I mean, I don't know what he heard. But he's like, well, then what's the point of that talking? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, if you're not trying to give me, you know, what I want, then, you know, I'm not doing that whole, if you're gonna, you're trying to be a revert, like, he, in his mind, he thought I was saying, like, we're going to wait until marriage or something, like, and no matter how much, and I'm a very good communicator, no matter how much I tried to communicate to him that what he was hearing was not what I was saying, 
I realized, okay, he's also in a stage where he still likes to argue. Well, now I, now I can't do anything with you. <laughs> so it was just interesting. I hadn't given any limitations other than penetration. And in his mind, there was nothing. There was nothing else we could do. Mm. I think I have another I think I have another question and this is like the other side of sex and intimacy that people don't talk about. I mean, how I know people are out here, they have needs. I know people seek their needs in different ways. Um I respect that. But do you think sometimes like we do still have to be leery like even in a sexual situation because some of the people you're linking up with I, I do believe when you are intimate with someone there is energy transfer. So I think you're, you know, as you're young, I feel like when you're younger, you're not really thinking about that. It's kind of like, okay, and I don't want to negate because there's some mature young people out there too, but I think sometimes there's moments like, well, this person's attractive, I'm attractive, we're vibing, let's do this. Right. But, but, but do you think there should be a time frame as you develop in your sexual maturity where you're more... In- well, that topic was so hot that uh, my uh, po- the podcast stopped recording. <laughs> so we're still here. <laughs> We are still here with Candace. We are talking through this topic of sex and intimacy. Candace Johnson is the founder of a company called Gushy. And uh, she has a game that's to, you know designed to help couples with sex and intimacy called Touchy Philly. And so one of the questions I posed to Candace, and I'm not sure if it was captured in the first part mm-hmm. of this interview, so I want to kind of reiterate it. I, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that when we are engaging in sex at different phases of sexual maturity, let's just call it that, in our lives that... There's certain periods where it's like, hey, let's go. We're vibing. I'm attracted to you. You're attracted to me. You seem cool. Let's do this. But as like you develop more sexual experiences and sexual maturity, I was curious from Candace, your perspective and your experiences, do you ever kind of think about like, are you more intentional about those people that you're choosing to connect with or do you think people should be, you know, do you believe that there can be energy transfer, right? So some people, you just know they're not in a good place. Um, like you're talking about this gentleman or they're, they're, you know, they're not over a broken relationship situation. How do you, you know, how would you encourage people to kind of deal with those type of sexual encounters? Or would you say, don't worry about it? Like, what's your take on that? Oh, no. Um, you know, and I hope I'm very clear. I've never been reckless in my love life. Um, of course, everything comes with risk. As soon as you open your eyes in the morning, there's risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have always erred on the side of caution versus I'm not going to. And there are so many experiences as people think about, especially when it comes to the category of sex and intimacy and even relationships in general, where I find that that, that tends to be where people's greatest regrets are. I should have tried harder in a relationship. I should have tried to talk to that person I was interested in. Maybe I should have said yes to that, whatever. And I think really what would be sad um, if, if there's only one thing that should be taken from this that is missed is that it's all about intuition, instinct, and what feels good. If, you know, if the most beautiful man walks up with the best body or whomever you're attracted to, the most attractive person you could imagine comes up to you and offers you rotten fruit and you know your body cannot handle rotten fruit, you definitely don't take the rotten fruit, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's warning signs everywhere. It's also why I think the game is such a beautiful um, introduction into how to ask questions 
first of all, even if you are in a married situation, you could start with level one, the intimacy zones in both the emotional and the sexual slash sensual portion of it is very innocent. So people with body confidence issues, people who have self-esteem issues, I would even venture to say, but I am no doctor, so please do not, you know, please just take this as um, my opinion and certainly not advice, but I would dare to say in some instances, as I have a, a male friend of mine who was violated and I asked his opinion, um, that people with sexual boundary issues could really play this game. It really is an introduction to how, and this is really the premise of the game, I asked you a question, right? So I'm asking you to share something about who you are so I can trust you. You now, as the partner, are answering this question. I now am going to respond with you to let you know how much I value the information you shared, right? How how open you were, how communicative, how easy it was to understand you, and how much more I overall know about you based on the answer you gave and the fact that I know that you gave time and energy into the words because you wanted me to hear you effectively and communicative. As a result of that, I rate you on a level of one to five, one meaning you barely tried and you might want to repeat it, five meaning you literally didn't shut up and I know everything about you through this one question, <laughs> right? That has a corresponding sexual touch or action um, anywhere from a level one is a caress. Like you barely gave me an answer, so here, now you can just caress me. Well, to, you know, down to the most, I guess, uh, intimate play, which would be uh, improvised, which means that's, that's between y'all, y'all grown folk. Um, and then you go back to the card, which then has, again, the erogenous zones matched you know, you know, sensually the level of emotional intimacy of the question. So in the level one, you're getting, again, the caress of a hand if someone gave you the worst answer ever. So it really allows for people to have a set of questions that can help you realize what questions on your own you can ask to a person, your partner, or whomever you're trying to explore more, right? Because their thoughts are only six inches from your eyes, but you can't get into someone's brain. So you have to draw it out. And, you know, even the slipperiest of guys, I've been able to get out the information I need. So um, I, I think that this is a great introduction to, and also it, it shares with you how well you communicate as a couple. Let's say you both hate the intimacy part and you love, or the emotional part, and you love the sex stuff. Well, having to get through the, way you code and decode information can just be a tidbit in itself, right? Like, no, it's not really about the answer. It's about the fact that when he talks, you don't really hear him or you don't really understand what he's saying. So it's not even really about the answer so much as there's a process of a speed bump or some type of hurdle where even if you're not interested in the information, you're not getting it anyway. So that's even the issue. So there's so many Easter eggs in it and the overall umbrella though feels good but there's so much to be learned and i also i, I always encourage people if, if if in one of the three arenas when you're with somebody i don't care if it's your husband your wife or a person who's at the bar wants to buy you a drink if it feels good emotionally sensually or sexually just one of those three is a yes it's worth at least having a conversation if two of those three feel good it is worth exchanging numbers or having a further conversation. 
by the time all three of those feel good, that's the only time I'm accepting a first date. No, I like what you're saying because I, you know, I often joke that when you coach people that are been in long-term relationships, one thing that often gets overlooked is people don't ask people the expectations of a relationship. I think we do it generically through observation or thinking the person clues, clues into certain things, but we don't just ask the direct question. And I think you're saying the same thing. And, and so when people, for example, get married, there's a vision of how they see marriage, right? And sometimes people may be afraid to ask that question because they may feel like, okay, is that person not going to put a, on a pretense, right, of doing that particular thing? But I still think it's important to ask the question because how you may see or envision a relationship could be different from the other person. And I think you're saying the same thing with sex and intimacy that sometimes because we're not asking these questions, we really can't get to the crux of dealing with some of our sex and intimacy questions. And I like that you used the example of the couple who was married for 30 years and how she was having issues. Because I think, you know, with menopause and change of life, sometimes women think if they get to a certain phase of life that their sexual appetite or their sexual desirability or their sexual drive is gone, that it's, you know, non-existent. And that could be frustrating because maybe that husband really still wants to connect with his wife, right? That's going through that hormonal change. So I like that you're kind of starting ground zero with people to kind of evolve the conversation because sex is very mental too, <laughs> like like extremely mental. And, 100%. and I think that gets overlooked and, and, and people's ability to let go, to, to release, to enjoy the process. There's so much tied to that from trauma, right? To how sex has been introduced to them, the sexual relationships they've had, and so on and on and on. So I, I, I like that you're saying, okay, look, here's a starting point where you can at least talk about and articulate things that are desirable to you. Um, because I think as much as it feels a little weird, it's actually what helps to solve through <laughs> that feeling of weirdness and to make it a little more normal and acceptable. So I, I think that's pretty cool. And in your opinion, Candace, is that something that's, you know, I don't know, to be discussed like the, the first few dates, uh, I don't know, um, first few encounters, or do you just play it naturally when you feel comfortable enough to, uh, you know, to discuss, you know, these types of questions based on the cards? You know, and, and that's such a great question. Okay, thank you so much for asking me that because I know I'm gonna get asked, asked my advice all the time, but the message remains the same. I don't care if you use the phrase, what feels natural. I don't care if you use the word intuition or instinct, but it is all based on when you need to know the information. I'm an experienced dater. <laughs> I'm an experienced lover. I am an, I'm experienced with communicating with anybody and everybody. I'm happy to. I have the patience for it now. As a black person, I could speak to the most respectful but nastiest of, of you know, I have, I have the gift now i've been able to do that so i can be on a first date and be fly and ask a whole bunch of the crazier questions that maybe some people would not need you know you'll be more timid about and i've had dates say to me like oh you just don't go into it well that's just these are the questions i have i think questions fester and i think in the way i live my life is the second i have a question i'm asking it always because two things if it's an inappropriate question well now it's appropriate because i'm thinking about it and if the other person feels comfortable answering it, great. I had a question, I got an answer, and now I'm feeling good, my confidence is up. I feel great about this person who I know likes me because they gave me energy, even when I thought something was gonna be inappropriate. But two, and here's the most important, and this is so crucial, 
when you have a question and you take the time to ask it and that person either tries to flip it on you like how dare you or doesn't want to answer or gaslights you or makes you feel like on some level it's not appropriate drop them because it's appropriate if you thought about it every question unanswered festers it may not fester today but it'll show back up in the swamp next week or next year or at some time so why not ask it because my brain came up with it and i'm a smart girl and i know how to do everything well so i have this question for you you got the mic and, can and it I- doesn't have to be aggressive right but needs to be answered because you'll again the person who doesn't answer it and then you know puts in stone and they're not gonna set in stone they're not gonna give you that energy oh that information is priceless and I, and I so can I challenge you so for yourself even someone who's like had experiences and you know who created this game right and the premise of it and someone who's experienced with having these conversations do, did you find in your game that there were ways that you still were able to learn some new insights as you kind of have intimate encounters with people or do you feel like you're kind of at the higher the higher level of this understanding no, that's what's so great. And that's why I don't want to be like an educator or anything like this, right? I have to interact with other people. So no matter how great, I'm only as great as my partner will let me be, right? So if I'm enlightened, but I'm with a guy who's gaslighting me and cheating on me, then I can't, you know, but but I do think I will say that I've played the game a number of times. I've talked about the game with thousands of people. And the only types of people I find that hold issue with the game are liars. Mm. And what I mean by the definition of liars, because I'm not demonizing anybody, I think lying is a very effective tool that many people use on a daily basis. Um, But people who genuinely have an issue with opening up and sharing who they are. I was at a bar, I was at Capitol, um, Capitol Grill, which you know is a pretty nice bar. I was sitting there after an entrepreneurship conference and I was feeling really good. I was, um, I had the game out and this man came and sat next to me and had dinner and we were talking about the game. And uh, he goes, oh, it'll never work. And I said, why not? And he goes, well, people are liars. I said, yeah, but this game is an opportunity not to lie in a safe environment because even if two liars get together, listen, two you know, war soldiers can get together and decide to lay down their arms and sit and have a conversation. So, you know, you can disarm yourself if you'd like, and that's what I think the game does. It also allows for there to be space of intimacy. And he goes, yeah, but people don't ever not lie. Mm. And I paused and I said, well, I can tell you that as of two years ago, under no circumstance do I lie. I I took a, a, you know, it's a pledge with God and I just don't. I just tell people what they want to know, or I tell them I'm not going to talk to you about that right now. And um, I said, but I do that because I find that since I've stopped lying, people just tell me the truth because they know there's no, there's nothing to lose. Why are you lying to me? I'm, I'm not lying to you. I said, so what's, what's you? He goes, well, I don't lie either. I said, well, then what's your reasoning for not lying? Because I'm only not lying because I think people aren't lying to me. If you're lying, if you think everyone's lying to you, then why are you lying? You know what I mean? So. It, again, the game has this really remarkable way of triggering people also, even on what they want to. I also have a, a friend, I, I sent him the website when I, just a former coworker, I sent him, it was a guy, sent him the website to the game um, when I was finished. And he goes, I don't need this. Why are you sending this to me? And I said, yo, this is my new company. He goes, oh, I thought you were trying to say something about me and my wife. 
<laughs> I didn't write a single word. <laughs> a little projection, like, a little projection going on, huh? <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, it, and then, you know, he and I had a conversation with his wife who also explained some things, but it, yeah, even just by concept, there's a very visceral feeling when it comes to having to plug into intimacy, emotional or sexual or sensual, which is the one area people can't even get to. Well, I can see that because it's like a touchy topic. And I, and I think people have different experiences around it. So I can see people reacting and responding to it in different ways based on that, you know, based on where their comfort level is, based on what their experiences that they've had, um, based on just, you know, their perceptions around what it could be. I think it's like that with a lot of uncomfortable topics. And so people actually delve into the uncomfortable topic and they're like, oh, that's not what I thought it would be. So I think the game could be good for people to just explore, right, and in a healthy way to think about sex and intimacy differently than we are traditionally taught to think about it. But this is such a good conversation. <laughs> we could go on and on with it. But um, I want, you know, as we wrap up the show, can you tell people like where they can find the game? When will it be out on the market? How can they learn more about what you're doing um, with this work? Absolutely. So touchyfeelygame.com is the website. Right now we're taking uh, emails and we'll be doing pre-launch soon in a few weeks. Um, uh, on all the platforms, it's the same, touchy-feely game. Um, and, you know, there's one piece of content on there to just let, you know, I know we talk specifically about couples, but the game really is for whatever your relationship style is. I really wanted to be all-inclusive because the reality is, is that there's a lot going on. And there's a lot we all talk about, and there's a lot we don't talk about. And so if you're in a couple, if you're in a couple, or if you're in, you know, something I've never even heard of before, you know, there are even religions that are based on having multiple wives. And this is a game that's really inclusive of all of those things. Because the fact is, is at the end of the day, whether you want to call it sexual or emotional or whatever it is, people are looking for acceptance, you know, understanding and to feel good. And hopefully this game in one or all three of the arenas that matter help people sort of get closer and, you know, and feel enlightened. So thank you so much for that. Um, people, again, you can check her out. She said touchyfeely.com. Is that where, or, or is it touchy? touchy touchyfeelygame.com. Game. Game. I, I knew I was missing the game part. So touchyfeelygame.com. And this is Candace Johnson. And thank you, Candace, for spending time with us today. We appreciate it. You guys are so lovely and I need to meet you in person. Oh, we, you know, so we will have to figure that out because we're not super far from each other at all. <laughs> so maybe if we're in your neck of the woods or you're in our neck of the woods, we could definitely um, connect and meet you because that would be amazing. But yes. yeah. yep. So as we wrap up the show, thank you guys all for listening in. I know this, com this you know, topic, it could be uh, a little you know, fun to talk about, interesting, uncomfortable for some, but I hope you learned something new on the show. And remember that you guys can always subscribe to future episodes of the Bad Talks podcast on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and many other platforms. Candace, thank you so much for joining us. And with that being said, we'll be back with another show in the future. I'm still your girl With all my glasses I don't have the time for life's birth